The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum and good morning. You are tuned into Inspire FM 105.1 FM. It's Friday 5th of March and the time is now 10 o'clock. Uh, welcome to Mother's Planet, a show where there is always something to talk about in a productive and beneficial way. I'm your host, Neelam, and joining me on the show today is my guest, Claire. Good morning, Claire. Sorry, Claire, if I could just get you to unmute your mic for me. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Good morning Neelam. Sorry, I'm, I'm not used to Zoom, so a few technical oh, no. errors. <laughs> no, that's okay. I mean, I say this on, on many of my shows when I have guests on that. I think if we've learned anything over lockdown, it's how to become technical savvy. So we are all learning so much. And I think Zoom's become a real big part of everyone's life. Um, so uh, don't worry about that. Uh, so listeners, um, I am joined by Claire this morning and I shall be introducing Claire formally to the show a little later. But first, Claire, um, how has your week been? It's been a very, very busy week, Neelam, as you can imagine. This week is Eating Disorders Awareness Week, and mm. um, we've been um, playing out on our um, social media some videos that our clients have um, contribu contributed to their experience of living with an eating disorder in the pandemic in access and treatment. There's been various medical, uh, media articles that um, we've been involved with, so... Yeah, very busy, um, and obviously that has led to which which we thought would happen, um, kind of a surge in referrals again. Wow, wow, oh, wow, that's very interesting. Um, and obviously, this is the first time um, uh, you've had to tweak how you have been doing your yes. campaigning because we are in a lockdown. So where you yeah. would have set up stores and reached out to people on a face to face interaction, everything was done very differently how was that experience yeah it's it's been like the, the past 12 months really we literally overnight had to go from seeing people face to face in the clinic in Luton um to going online um using teams initially we weren't sure if therapy would be effective etc that way but we can talk more about that later in terms of this week yes so we've used um we've interviewed people on teams and we've had to uh, stream that through our our website, our Facebook page, our LinkedIn. Um, so it's all been um, very different, but in some ways it's quite good because it reaches a larger audience. Mm. Um, and we teamed up with um, the Student Union um, for the University of Bedford. We did that last year. We actually went there and presented. So hopefully they've been streaming too uh, yeah. to try and reach a greater audience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess that's the advantage of doing things um, online and uh, via uh, all these technical um, platforms because you can reach on a national level so rather than mm -hmm. keeping it local and doing your campaigns local you can actually reach out to far more people this way as well so um, I think um, a lot of the uh, companies and working industries are going to be looking at this in a very different way po you know post lo lockdown we're all going to be looking at everything very differently and I think um, technology has changed our lives so much that it's going to be interesting mm -hmm. to see what working life's going to be like post lockdown. So, uh, so listeners, uh, for many of us, this is actually the last week of homeschooling. So for those parents who have been really struggling, and I, actually, firstly, I just want to say um, a big round of applause and a pat on the back to all the parents that have really upped their game and balanced home life, work life, and home learning life as well with their children. Uh, it's been a very difficult journey. I know for myself that I've had two older ones that have been quite independent because they're, they're high school children, so theirs is all online. But the three younger ones, it's been quite challenging because I've had to sit with them and explain things to them. So, um, and we, you're teaching them doing the method that you know, so you're not necessarily sure that that's what every child in the class is learning as. So, well done to all you parents, and um, I'm sure everyone is really looking forward to next week. There's mixed vibes and nerves going around. Everyone's thinking, how's it going to be for my child, or how's it not going to be for them? It's going to be an empty home, but um, for, for anyone like myself, my first thing is 
totally declutter my house. I need to find my house. I've actually lost my house because there's just books and things everywhere. So I think the first thing I'll be doing is is decluttering. And I have warned the children. I said that if their rooms are not the way it should be, um, I will just bin it. So uh, they, they are planning this weekend to really uh, work hard getting their rooms tidied up. Uh, we also had World Book Day, which again, uh, for the first time, um, was executed via online. And I think it was fantastic. We had um, MC Grammar, who is someone that I've not been familiar with before, but he he made a rap um, on the um, book World Book page. Um, and this was the first time my children heard of him and actually heard the and it was so lovely the way he did it because he actually went through and as he was saying the books, my children were picking them out from the bookshelf that we had. Oh, we've got that book. Oh, we've got that book. So it was quite nice for them to um, uh, see that. And now they are constantly playing it and they've actually uh, tried to mimic the rapping as well. So it was lovely. And I think that was executed really well. So listeners, share your positive moments with myself. How was World Book Day at home for you? How did you all find it? Um, was it something that you found uh, challenging, interesting? Did you get your kids to dress up? Uh, thankfully, my school allowed the children to stay in their pyjamas, so it was just like another day for us. So uh, they had pyjama day, messy hair day, and it was great. They just got to stay in their pyjamas. Uh, my, my middle daughter, she's a bit fiddly. She doesn't like being in her pyjamas. She has this thing that when she gets up, she needs to wash, get dressed, and then start her day. And I love that attitude because she really does focus on her day, whereas the others could be in their pyjamas and get on with things, but she's not. So she found it extremely hard to stay in her pyjamas. I think at midday she came up to me and said, Mum, can I just go and get dressed, please? So I said to her, if it, if it makes you happy, that's fine. Go ahead. So, yes, uh, listeners, we have the usual ways of listening in today. We are live on air, um, reaching out to listeners through the airwaves at Inspire FM. 105.1 FM. We are also on Salam Radio, uh, where we are reaching listeners in Peterborough and surrounding areas. You can connect through TuneIn via the Inspire FM webpage and also listening globally via the Inspire FM Facebook page, where you must like the show and also leave uh, any positive comments or questions around the topic today. As always, I am taking in text or WhatsApp num uh, messages on the studio number 07779. 481822. Any questions, comments, or anything that you would like to share around today's topic, please do share. Now, I wanted to start with uh, the statistic that I um, have used uh, across the um, Inspire FM Facebook page. Around 1.25 million people have an eating disorder in the UK. Now, when I saw that, I thought that was a really worrying statistic. So uh, listeners, in today's show, I have the privilege of being joined by Claire. Um, but before we start the show, Claire, um, I also wanted to pay my condolences and tribute to Ralph Adamson, who was um, a key member of uh, Caroline. Um, so I'm reaching out to um, his family and your key workers and passing on my condolences because he sadly passed away early this year in January. Uh, so Claire, um, I'm sure he was, he is truly missed and he was a key member of your team. So before um, I yabble on, um, I'm going to let the listeners uh, let you introduce a little bit about Adam, Caroline and yourself. Okay. Thank you. So um, Ralph um, and his, his wife Karen um, were a major part of our fundraising and for quite a few years they organised many events, really, really funny and good events, really, really passionate about supporting our charity and raised many thousands and um, he will be missed by so many people and our thoughts go out to um, Karen and Ralph's family at this, this time. Um, so Caroline, um, I'm the founder of Caroline. I, I founded, Car my name is Claire, and I founded Caroline um, over 28 years ago now. Um, and yeah, I know I'm getting old. The reason. No, don't look it at all. I just thought <laughs> it was established. <laughs> yeah, with, uh, purely because there was, uh, at that time, there was no specialist community eating disorder services around, and um, people got very, very sick. 
and would end up being admitted either to a, an acute medical ward or a generic psychiatric unit, which, which wasn't effective. And I had a friend called Caroline who lived in Brighton. Um, Caroline did a big documentary back, back in those days. And, and sadly, she died from an eating disorder. And it was at that point that I said, okay, we need to do something about this and initially set up a support group that was run once a week in a church hall and it's evolved since then. Wow, that's amazing. So, so Caroline is your um, inspiration as to how this all formed yeah. um, and how, how, how Caroline came about. So um, if you could just talk me through some of the services that you offer. Okay, so um, there's quite a few services that we offer. We, we do have the helpline. We offer individual evidence-based therapy. So, um, so it's cognitive behavioral therapy for eating disorders. And we use CBTE or CBTT. So CBTE stands for Enhanced Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And CBTT is a version of that, but the T stands for 10. <laughs> Both. Both, both evidence-based and, um, and dependent on presentation will, will be dependent on which therapy the service user would access. We also run support groups for service users and their carers, and we're developing those further at the moment. Um, and we also run um, a, a group, a treatment group, uh, the eating behaviour group for those who are presenting with binge eating disorder. Wow, yeah. And that is something that I wanted to talk about as well. Uh, so, I mean, um, it sounds amazing the services you've offered, and I'm 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 assuming as the years have progressed, you've realised there's actually more types of services, and you've had to tweak the services that you've offered. Is that the case? Oh yes, uh, we're forever um, having to tweak the services, and to, so long as we're offering evidence-based intervention to to make sure that the service we offer is the service that our service users need to access. Um, and we work very closely with our statutory partners, and that's um, CAMS Eating Disorder Service in Luton and the uh, Specialist Adult Eating Disorder Service. We have a step care partnership which works really well. So basically, um, for many years, a lot of um, people were kind of falling between the gaps of not being able to access the right services, especially in transition. So by us working together, we're closing that gap to ensure that the service users are in the right service for all yeah. times. Yeah, absolutely. So in the case of um, where somebody feels that they are presenting symptoms of any form of eating disorders, which we will go into what they are and how they are, but um, is it somebody that needs to be referred through a health professional? Do they have to be referred by their doctor or can they make self-referrals to yourself? Absolutely. We've all, I mean, GPs do refer to us and other health professionals do refer to us, but actually people can literally self-refer. They can either call us or they can complete a referral form on our website uh, that will be sent to us and we will contact them to, to arrange a, a triage assessment to assess you know how, how they are um, and we feel that's important and it's always been important because when somebody actually has the courage to pick up the phone or, or to email them to say that you know to share a bit of their story and reach out for help it's at that point they need to be able to access that help yeah. um, to, to wait um, motivation will probably fade or so therefore we we try to act on this as quickly as we can and self-referral is a way of doing so yeah yeah and and as you said it's a it takes a lot of courage to absolutely up that phone and do so so that's um nice so i mean um it's lovely the services that you offer and um and i think um something that a lot of people must be thinking about how how is this funded is it something that once you are referred you have to finance yourself. Um, how how is the charity funded? Okay, so we've been lucky. We've been very supported by um, Luton and Bedfordshire CCG over the years, and they have commissioned the majority of the service um, for us. Um, due to uh, we we really focus on early intervention um, because what we know with eating disorders is um, prognosis is excellent if you kind of can present at early onset and have treatment and lead a normal life. The longer it's left, um, 
then there's, there's a big chance of you developing complex long-term mental health problems. And we don't want that. Um, so we, uh, so the majority of our funding comes from the CCG, Bedfordshire and Luton, but obviously also we do rely on people donating or, or fundraising events, as I was talking about Karen and Ralph earlier. You know, all of that helps um, because, for instance, with the lockdown that happened, we had to change overnight how we delivered our service and kept our patients safe into a charity that involved a lot more costs that we hadn't actually planned for. For example, like having all the IT support that we need. Um, so we kind of had to find money from somewhere to be able to continue with, with operate that level of service. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, well, I suppose I could ask the question now. I was going to say we could discuss it later on in the show as to how anyone that's interested that wants to get in touch and, and find out um, how they can uh, support the charity uh, or um, sponsor the charity or provide any donation, how they can do so. So is, is it quite straightforward? It's straightforward. You can go onto our website, www.caroline.com. And Caroline is spelled C-A-R-A. L-I-N-E, um, caroline.com. You can have a look at our website and there is a donate button on there or you can um, email us or call us. So, Brilliant. Okay, thank you. And I know that Luton is a very giving community when it comes to causes like this. And uh, with no doubt, this is something that's very important, um, especially Claire having lost a very young friend. And she was only 19, I believe, when I read the story. No, she was 29 when she died, Caroline. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Well, I'm still very young, you know, so, um, uh, you know, it's very important that things like this get addressed. So, uh, yes, uh, listeners, if you are listening in, I will be sharing those details uh, again later on in the show. But before we go on, uh, in a nutshell, uh, Claire, eating disorder, uh, what is this? Okay, so eating disorders is a psychological condition that causes complex and um, physical health issues. Um, eating disorders have the highest mortality rate um, out of any other psychiatric disorder. Um, they are not diets that have gone wrong and they are not aspirations to be a certain way or have like um, a view of themselves of being perfect. There are concerns about shape and weight, but we do have to kind of really challenge these myths that it's attention seeking. Um, it's a very distressing, disabling disorder that doesn't just affect the person living with the eating disorder, but it affects the, the whole family and carers. Yeah. Um, and um, I mean, as you said, it isn't something that, you know, a, a lot of people have this myth that anyone that has an eating disorder, oh, it's self-inflicted. It's, you know, because mm -hmm. they want to either be at the right weight or underweight or have this body that everyone's dreaming of but actually it's not so is the actual disorder something that's developed from a very early age or um mm. is it progressively as the person gets older they realize that actually i'm having trouble with this yeah it, it, it it's difficult everybody is different we we know that there's some people that are predisposed to eating disorders um, genetically um, often it can be a life experience, an emotional response. It's a complex psychological condition and, and onset is um, different for, you know, the reasons for onset is different for everybody. But we very much try to focus on the, the here and now because whilst we know that um, eating disorders de develop from kind of emotional response to something that might have happened before, by the time somebody presents with an eating disorder, it is about the eating and and their behaviors at that point and so therefore we need to be able to address those um that, that those thoughts and those emotions and those, those behaviors to 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 make them feel better and move forward mm. um and at the start of the show i gave a statistic a very very high statistic as to how many mm. people in the uk are affected uh, by eating disorders now um Generally, from your experience, do you find that more women than men are affected or is it a balance? No. Uh, and if I can just say at the start of the show, you said 1.25 million. That's an estimated. Yeah, just that's, that's estimated purely because there has been a lot of research, but not enough. 
has been done. So that's kind of an estimated. So we, I'd, I'd say it's probably a lot more people living with eating disorders than, than that number. Uh, in terms of male representation, uh, predominantly it's female, but but men do live with eating disorders and around 10% of those living with eating disorders presenting would be male. Wow, wow, yeah. And absolutely with that statistic, and this is only those that have come forward and uh, are addressing it yeah. and getting help. And, and there are a lot, a lot of people that are suffering in silence. So, you know, um, the statistics, as you said, is just a, it could be a fraction of what actually is out yeah. there. So uh, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I, I asked earlier on that um, the eating disorder, is it something that um, they, uh, a person develops from like childhood to not liking certain mm -hmm. foods? To then mm -hmm. growing to an adult to actually saying I can't I can't physically mm -hmm. I mean um, is it something that's um, more common in the younger generation than it is as people get older? It could affect uh, eating disorders can affect people from any age any ethnicity background um, in terms of uh, anorexia nervosa that's usually developed um, kind of mid-teens mid to late teens um bulimia nervosa binge eating disorder um it's kind of like a, a higher age group but but to be honest um people could develop eating disorders at, at, at any age mm. so just touching on anorexia and uh, mm. bulimia they're two very different types of eating disorders or have they got very because i always thought that they were very similar but actually looking into it and mm. trying to do some research around it I found that they are very different. Yeah, okay. So what, what we know, there's several forms of eating disorders. So you have anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, binge eating disorder, and OSFED, which I'll happily go through them all with you if you'd like me to, yeah. and our fit. So anorexia nervosa um, is a dry, you know, some, the behavioural signs of somebody with anorexia nervosa is going to be kind of avoiding food, restricting um food to the point of starving their body they may also have um they may also exercise excessively um, if they feel that they've eaten too much and will have low confidence and have and will have an excessive focus on their body shape and weight uh, with bulimia nervosa uh, it's very much more um hidden in terms of um, people may not notice that they have an eating disorder because they generally prevent with normal to slightly above normal weight. Um, it's highly dangerous and they will have distressing episodes of loss of control uh, in binge eating. And some people, and generally it's foods that they've tried to avoid and some people would explain their binge eating as um, almost disassociating from themselves. Um, and then the guilt and shame that follows that um, could lead to compensatory behaviours such as self-induced vomiting, which is extremely dangerous. And you do not um, get rid of food through through vomiting. Mm. Binge eating disorder is similar to um, bulimia, except there's no compensatory behaviours. So basically what happens with somebody with binge eating disorder is the drivers are the same, that loss of control, feeling uncomfortably full, maybe wanting to stop eating and they can't, um, and then feeling this, this massive sense of guilt and shame. The thing is, and OSFED is uh, other specified feeding eating disorder. So the reason we have that, and the majority of um, eating disorders would fall under that, and it's equally as um, dangerous as any other form of eating disorder. And the reason we have that is that to have a diagnosis, people need to fit certain diagnostic criteria, mm. but you can't fit all people into boxes as yeah. such. Mm. So with OSFED, what, what that is, is if, if somebody, it's, it's, it's clear they have an eating disorder, but they don't fit a particular, say like anorexia nervosa diagnostic criteria, They'd either be, uh, and that could be for whatever reason, though they, they may be diagnosed with OSFED. And the majority of people presenting with eating disorders generally do present with, with OSFED. Okay. Okay. You're saying that they're similar, um, uh, that they're not too similar. Actually, mm. apart from ARFID, which I can move on to, apart from ARFID, 
the main drivers of those with eating disorders is their concern around that their evaluation of themselves based on their shape and weight is, is so significant that they would try to restrict or restrain food. If they can't do that, that could either lead to binge eating. Mm -hmm. um, so behavioral ways they're different, mm -hmm. but, um, but, but the drivers can be very similar. Okay, okay. Uh, so listeners, we are actually now um, coming towards a short uh, commercial break. Uh, just to remind listeners, um, I am joined by uh, my lovely guest, Claire, from Caroline this morning, and we are talking about eating disorders. So if anyone has been impacted by this, has a story to share, uh, a journey that they went through, please do uh, text on the studio WhatsApp number 0777 um, any questions that you have for my guests around this topic, please do um, have those uh, coming through to us as well. We are taking messages. Um, stay tuned for more discussion on this. Um, but for now, use this chance to go refill your hot cups of tea, coffee, whatever it is that you're having with us this morning and rejoin us after a short break. Inshallah. Salam alaikum. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Asalaamu Alaikum and good morning. Welcome back to Mother's Planet. It's Friday 5th of March and the time is now just gone 10.30. I'm your host Neelam and joining me on the show is my guest Claire. Good morning. Morning Neelam. Uh, so Claire is from Caroline and we have been talking about uh, this morning um, eating disorders. Now just before the uh, break Claire and I were talking about the type of um, eating disorders and sort of just uh, clearing those misconceptions around why people have um, uh, eating disorders. Uh, so uh, listeners we are um, taking in text and WhatsApp messages so any questions you have for my guest or myself O triple seven nine four eight one eight double two. Please do uh, share your questions with us. Now, um, just before the break, you were going through the uh, set of types of eating. So we'd, we'd covered um, bulimia, bulimia, um, anorexia, and um, the new one. Our, our, our friend, our, 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 our feed, our feed. I haven't discussed with you yet. So, we, <laughs> but yeah, anorexia, bulimia, osfed, and binge eating disorder. Yes, and binge eating. So. Um, the one that we haven't discussed, our, our Fred, I believe it is. Our Fred, um, yes. Yeah. So it's avoidant restrictive it, yeah. food intake disorder. This generally, um, so this is this is considered an eating disorder, but it is not driven by concerns around shape or weight. Um, it's it's usually found in younger people, and there's kind of three reasons why somebody might develop our Fred, and one is kind of literally lack of interest in food in itself which can lead to um to, to malnutrition uh, sensory issues so perhaps uh, not liking textures or tastes or smells or 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 or, or the look of a certain food type uh, and finally it could be a fear or concern to some for example somebody might have a young person might have witnessed somebody choking on um on something which then causes them anxiety around eating. But equally, um, it, it is concerning because these young people often prevent very unwell um, and, um, and it affects their, their growth, um, the, you know, their, their height, and they, they also need treatment. Yeah. Well, that's, that's an interesting one. And, it, and it's interesting that you say um, about texture and feeling mm -hmm certain foods and smells you know because you would never think that that would be something that would put people off from from eating but actually you know there's certain foods and textures that I don't like the feel of I don't like the smell of but imagine having that over everything that was presented yeah. to you and again of course this is going to have an impact on uh, general uh, well-being of the person in terms of if it's a child if it's a young child the height um, the development of that child as well um, so Claire, would you say um, our emotional state plays a big part in the way we eat? Oh, absolutely. So um, even if you, you do not have a, an eating disorder, um, if you think about some people, if they're really anxious or excited, can't eat, that's, that's a, a emotional um, response. Doesn't mean say they've got an eating disorder, but equally some people that may be feeling 
low in mood or yeah. or up will eat yeah. or not eat it, it it's it's the emotional response to that and if you think about you know if you think of movies yes. um and say somebody's broken up a relationship and they'll say oh let's eat the ice cream let's yeah. get the tub of ice cream out etc it's kind of a comfort isn't it it's that emotional response. and we all do it to a certain extent but that doesn't make it an eating disorder yeah yeah and i guess this is where um the because i mean there's obsessive eating as well you, you have people that will um eat too much of something or not have uh, something at all so you've got the extreme end you know they will either eat protein and only meat-based foods or they will only eat plant-based foods they don't have that balance so would you say um, an obsessive eater can also have health issues yeah i think it's really important that people have a balanced diet and if even if, uh, if if you're vegan you can still have a balanced diet but you have to know exactly you have to do it right because there's so many different diet fads out there such as like you know no carbs um, yeah. there are more people presenting um, as being vegan and that's fine but you just have to make sure you get all the right nutrients and it generally means having to eat more um, not having carbohydrates in a diet is really bad for you um, so the the whole keto diet yes people get results quite quickly um, but it is damaging their health and generally what happens when you come off of that you're more likely to your body's response is more likely to regain the weight that you were and possibly more. So it's about, in essence, there's no such thing as a bad food, yeah. but um, you know, it's about, so we show people like the food pyramid that, that gives you all kind of the food groups, which includes fun foods mm -hmm. um, and to include all of those in your daily diet. Because as soon as you say, I can't eat chocolate, A, you're making chocolate, uh, an unhealthy bad food and b as soon as you say i can't have it you're going to want it yeah. so actually if you yeah. think uh, if you plan and say to have a kit cat or something tea time you know a cup of tea and have it and that's fine but the more you deny yourself the more you're going to think about it yeah. and eventually what then happens is you have it you might not have one you might yeah. have the whole packet and then think well i've blown it yeah, so I might as well finish it off and start again tomorrow, which can be quite distressing for people. And I, and I think this is where um, uh, binge eating uh, disorder mm -hmm. comes into play because, uh, it, I mean, I'm sure there's many, many people, um, especially over lockdown, uh, with the panic shopping, panic buying, oh. uh, stocking up on things. It was total mayhem at the very beginning. This time last mm -hmm. year, we were facing unknown living we just didn't know what was going to be tomorrow so people were panic buying panic shopping and probably panic eating as well so i mean binge eating what, what is this so binge eating again it's the it, it's a complete loss of um con control around um eating so they could binge on large quantities of food um very in a very fast um time not necessarily taste the food and often eat foods they wouldn't ordinarily eat some people would actually eat foods out of the bin um the guilt and the guilt and shame that that follows that is just um horrendous and um and that's why we at caroline because what we found over the years is binge eating disorder is very much recognized as an eating disorder but because of lack of service resources it's very difficult for them to access eating disorder, specialist eating disorder services because, um, again, down to service resources. So we actually have um, developed a, a group program based on CBT for binge eating disorder. Uh, so the only people that, that would attend that group are those that are experiencing binge eating disorder. Mm -hmm. and so, um, and that's good because it feels really, really important that um, they can have access and going back to to what you were saying about the panic vine i mean i don't know what the toilet roll thing was about last year at all um but just to give you kind of an idea so when we were working um, remotely with our um our, our clients who were on meal plans etc and having to to say to them you know about the meal plan well they can't get the food because the, the shops so we had to try and manage that as well as um, 
because with, with eating disorders, especially in anorexia, you've got, you've got this negative voice there. So if there's an excuse not to eat, so kind of like no food in the shops, yeah. that's a really good excuse. So that, that voice is going to be strong. So we kind of had to manage that as well, which was uh, interesting. Wow. And it must have been quite a challenge. And obviously trying to deal with all these emotions. Now, um, at the start of the show, um, you were saying that um, campaigning this week, uh, you found that there's a surge of people and cases um, that have obviously um, got eating disorders. So do you think over the pandemic and the lockdowns that we faced, I mean, we're on lockdown 3.0 now, <laughs> um, and I hope this is the last one, but do you think um, this has had an impact on, um, on the way people are eating? Massively, massively. So far, far more people are presenting with eating disorders and, and, and what, what's really concerning is many of them prevent, uh, are presenting really quite unwell. And we don't know if that is because initially in the lockdown, people were avoiding the NHS, etc. because, you know, that stay at home message. I, I don't know. But what I do know is nationally, including Caroline, um, the, the demand for services, uh, for eating disorder services, have, has just gone through the roof. And um, along with other mental health services, for us, um, our referral rates just keep going up and up and up. And just to give you an idea, I've got some national figures for you, if, if, if this would be helpful. So BEAT, which is the national, um, the national eating disorder um, charity. Um, so, and they, they've just given some figures out that in January 2021, compared to February 2020 of last year, they've had a 173% increase in overall helpline demand. They've had 77% increase in calls. They've had 166% increase in web chats, 253% uh, increase in emails, 191% increase in social media contact and 195% increase in online support group attendance. Wow, that is huge. Yeah. yeah, all services are feeling it. So we're part of the Eating Disorder um, Network, East of England Eating Disorder Network, where we meet with colleagues from our statutory services, voluntary services, um, working with those with eating disorders and all service providers are struggling with the level of... Yeah. Uh, Claire, why do you think there is this surge in, in lockdown? Why, why do you think people have... Well, I think, sad, sadly, I think really it's, you know, the lockdown is kind of like a perfect storm for um, those developing an eating disorder. And I also think as well that those that may have been um, not predisposed to any kind of complex mental health or mental health problems pre uh, lockdown. I think everybody's mental health has been affected somewhere along the line, you know. So those with eating disorders, um, it's 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 secretive, so irrespective of what kind of presentation, like for somebody that's binge eating, etc., having access to food, being at home, not socialising. Uh, what we found is a lot more young people are presenting, but I also think that's because they're um, that the parents are at home and they see what's going on whereas usually they might be going to school with their lunch perhaps throwing lunch away etc yeah. uh it's people are noticing more yeah, um that's true absolutely because i mean especially children being at school because you don't really know what your child's getting on i mean my children my younger children i have dinners at school so i don't even give them a packed lunch so i'm just assuming they're eating their dinners but um, I know that they eat, they eat well, because Caroline, it was, um, Claire, it was it just literally having breakfast. And then it was like, what's the snack? Yeah. <laughs> You've just yeah. eaten. So I'm sure many parents can uh, do um, uh, understand and sympathize with me there that they it was just constant eating. But I mean, mm -hmm. that did worry me because I just did think about this binge eating because then I thought, actually, they need to space themselves and actually know that we've just had a meal. We don't need to have um, another meal. And I noticed what was happening is that it, it was filling the silence, filling the void of not knowing what to do. So let's do, let's just have Order. something to eat. 
it's yeah. just that boredom and a lot of it was so we did start doing a lot more activities and I mean we were quite lucky in the first lockdown the weather was lovely so we mm -hmm. were out in the garden we really got our hands mucky and you know my garden looked beautiful it looks very different now to what it did this time last year but we were out in the garden and we were enjoying the sun whereas when the weather fell and it started getting colder and comfort food and sitting in front of the telly or sitting on the sofa and having something in your hand to eat it's it all started playing on our emotional state then so as you said earlier I mean um, emo our emotional state definitely does um, have mm. an impact as to the way we eat especially when many people um, have lost loved ones uh, in the lockdown mm. um, through Covid um, families have been separated we've not I've had a baby in lockdown and my parents have met my baby just when she was about six weeks and she's now eight months and they haven't seen mm. her so it's quite emotional in that sense as well so I think the whole emotional side of things has really impacted with the way people are being able to eat or not eat because as you said if you are um sad some people will turn to food for comfort or some people will just turn away from everything mm -hmm. and say we don't seek any comfort in any of this mm -hmm. so and what it, we know with eating disorders as well is that if everything else you think about um you know the pandemic you think about our lockdown it, we, we can't control that but what mm -hmm. you can control is what you eat or what you don't eat yeah yeah so, and i was just going to ask you that question that in your opinion, do you believe that, you know, people that are going through um, an eating disorder, do you feel that it's just a temporary phase in their life and it is something that they can control or is it something they have to learn to live with? No, they absolutely can. Um, if you develop an eating disorder, as soon as you access help and access the evidence-based treatment, there is no reason why you um, can't fulfil a, a normal, healthy life. Um, but it's really important that you reach out for help because um, however uh, horrendous that eating disorder voice is, um, every time you give in to that voice, you're only temporarily alleviating that anxiety because then it will come back and back. So we would just stress that, you know, if you are concerned, there is treatment, there is hope. It's not something you have to, to manage, you know, for the rest of your life. Mm. all suffer in silence which mm. is, I guess a key thing um, uh, there so um, uh, I mean with the campaign that we had I mean any any advice that you can offer to listeners um, I mean we had um, a list I think um, we came across a list uh, about eating disorder yeah. recovery and lockdown I mean yeah. any advice or things that you could uh, suggest to listeners Absolutely. So those that are in treatment or those that actually aren't in, in treatment, if you're concerned about, about your food, etc., plan. Plan all your meals and all your snacks because that, that's an element of control. So that way um, you, you know what, what's happening around you. Um, try not to do too much body checking um, because unless you're going to gaze at yourself in the mirror and give yourself lots and lots of positive praise, we know those with eating disorders, that's unlikely. And generally, it makes you feel bad about yourself. So try not to do uh, any body checking or comparison making uh, with others. The social media, um, really be careful of what you're following on social media. Remember, a lot of these photos are airbrushed. They're not real. Um, and certain social media platforms are known to kind of promote in an unhealthy way um, the inspiration. None of that is going to help you. All that's doing is feeding into the eating disorder thinking. And actually, it's not going to make you feel good about yourself. If you are feeling concerned or you need to talk to somebody, um, you can call Caroline mm. on 01582457474. There's also, um, you, you know, um, the, you, you could also email us or talk to a friend or somebody. Don't keep it in. This generally, if you are really, really struggling, it's really important you reach out for help. And I, and I think that's really key there um, because... Um, Often when uh, people have an issue or are suffering from some form of anxiety or worry or concern, airing it or sharing it with a friend mm. or 
a spouse or you know anybody um it's it's a problem half so it, it obviously takes it takes a lot of pressure off yourself so it does ease the mind and i mean i and i know i after having my baby there was mixed emotions that i was going through firstly i had quite a traumatic birth with her which having five children before her who had who were great births and then having a traumatic one with her it was quite scary and so even though she was fine i was fine there were lots of emotions playing in my head and and i have to thank my spouse i have to thank my husband and i'm sure he's not listening but uh, he was great he was absolutely great and I, and i could just and it was sometimes you just need someone that you can talk to that's not giving opinions back you just mm -hmm. need somebody to sit there and just take in what you're saying so it's just venting and uh, you know i would just say to him i just need to vent my concerns you don't need to tell me what's right and what's wrong but just hear me out and he would just hear me out and I think he's still hearing me out and not now giving any feedback and I'm like okay now I need feedback <laughs> now you can tell me all the things that um, I need to know so but it's absolutely important to talk and I think that's key there to really make sure people are reaching out to people like yourselves the experts um, and you know um, speaking with you Claire you've got such a lovely calm tone so it's so lovely to talk to you so I'm sure people would be able to uh, reach out to you guys and and speak and you know share their issues or problems one of the things I did want to ask uh, Claire before we continue is um typical signs and symptoms because I'm mm -hmm. sure there's many people out there that would think oh gosh yeah you know why I, I do tend to overeat or I do eat when I'm stressed or I'm and then they may think that they've got an eating disorder are there actually more common signs to look out for yes certainly depending what um eating sort of presentation but generally more concerns around um food calories trying to avoid certain foods um what what you might find is that somebody um is is concerned about eating socially i know we can't really go out and eat socially at the moment but <laughs> when we can that that would be a real fear factor whereas before that that wasn't yeah. um changes in mood um feeling uh, lacking in confidence um mm -hmm. withdrawing um from, from people the, these are all common signs and symptoms and i think if you notice that in somebody because because eating disorders aren't always obvious people always think of eating disorders as that really really thin thin person but if you're noticing any kind of changes in somebody's mood um how they're relating to you if they're, they're withdrawing just have a chat yeah yeah absolutely yeah okay so i mean we've got far as reaching um out to friends and family staying connected um other stages and steps that people could um consider uh, to try and help themselves especially i mean um out of lockdown i mean even where as you said we haven't eaten socially so you know our etiquettes have gone out the window people are just eating how they want to eat because you're at home and now yeah. when we start socializing, our etiquettes have got to come back. We've got to think about portion controls. We've got to think about how we're eating. So that's all going to start affecting people and the way we eat as well. Yeah, and I think we've got to be, we've got to be prepared actually for a little bit of anxiety around coming out of lockdown. You know, we've been told uh, stay at home, you know, protect the NHS, save lives. And that's been, we, for all the right reasons, we, we, we know why. But actually I think, it, it's that in itself will create anxiety in people in terms of being able to go back out um fears of maybe covid okay we've got a really good vaccination program at the moment but also mental health some people become quite institutionalized in their home and then suddenly to go out and socialize again so we've got to be really really careful with this and it's something that me and uh, my team are kind of preparing for and trying to prepare our service users for actually how planning for that. Yeah, yeah. Going back out interactions because confidence has been knocked with everybody, I think. And um, I think we really have to be mindful of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's gonna be a real challenge trying to accept some for as much as we are looking forward to a normality, mm -hmm. it's going to be quite scary to accept normality as well because mm -hmm. you know it's the it's all of a sudden trying to bridge that gap that we've had for such a long time mm -hmm. and is it going to be as easy as 
you know, let's just turn off the, oh, you can mingle now, you can hold hands, you can mm. do this. Everyone's still going to be quite sceptical about a lot of things there. Now, um, Claire, thank you. Uh, I'm conscious of time. And I think what I wanted to just really get from yourself is um, uh, advice for anyone that's listening in that perhaps thinks that they, they would like to reach out to yourself. Any, any, any simple advice of how they can get in touch, things that they can do. And also, if you could just share some contact details. I mean, uh, you said that you have a Facebook page and things like that. So just what people would need to look up for okay. to get information. Your biggest step is going to be the step to reach out for help. If you are contemplating that actually what's happening for you isn't making you feel good about yourself, it's really important that you can act on that now. And what I'd ask you to do is if you could contact Caroline, you can either call on 01582 457474 or you can fill on our contact form on our website, which is www.caroline.com dot com caroline spelled c-a-r-a-l-i-n-e dot com we will get back to you just yeah. don't suffer in silence yeah. and the facebook page is the same it's just caroline yeah it's uh, yeah that we've got a caroline um facebook page as well so yeah you it's all linked so please contact us Yes, absolutely. So for those uh, uh, people that are listening in, I will uh, make sure that all this information that Claire has shared with me um, is also posted onto our um, Facebook um, page where the show has been streaming. So you can get all the information and uh, details from there as well. Um, Claire, any ways people can support the charity? Yes, um, very much so. We are looking to um, try and raise some more funds to update further our IT equipment. Um, we're also going to be looking to recruiting some more trustees. So if you are interested, please get in contact with us. Brilliant. Okay, thank you. And as uh, Claire has mentioned, there is a donate page on, on the uh, website where people can donate. Now, Claire, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you so much for your valuable time. My uh, traditional quote for the show, recovery is ignoring the pressure to be perfect. Salam alaikum. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Tune in to Inspire FM on 105.1 FM and globally at www.inspirefm.org.